Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Um, so masks. When we think about COVID-19, is where the first time I've ever had a mask. I think early, in some of the earliest, maybe even later, but the, when I was there for the birth of my children, I had to put a mask on. I remember that. Uh, but generally speaking, we don't wear masks. But masks have a purpose, don't they? There is a legitimate purpose for masks. And I know there's a lot of controversy and arguments about how efficacious masks were with COVID-19. I get that. But generally speaking, the idea of a mask is good because if I cough and spit, it what? Stops that. If you do the same, yours stops yours. And this protects me as well. So there is some protection here one way or another. And so what it does is it keeps bad stuff from going out, also keeps good stuff from coming in, or bad stuff from coming in, I mean to say. And um, it's, it's, it's supposed to be effective at some level of helping, right? And so masks are neutral things. They aren't bad things. Uh, and maybe they're more than neutral because right time, right place, they have something to offer. But there's another kind of masks that all of us at some point in time or another either wear or have worn. Masks that we put on that are invisible masks and yet affect. Yeah, well, we're going to talk about the effect and the negative effect. So let's just consider what some of these masks that people put on are. Go ahead and go to that slide there if you would, Anthony. So this idea of mask, you know, sometimes people put on a mask here of being, I'm, I'm strong, I'm a strong person, because there's a, a fear of appearing weak. Because if I, I, I feel like if I appear weak, people will take advantage of me. So I put on this mask that I'm really strong, when I'm not. Okay, uh, helpless. Some people put on a mask of being helpless because this is a way that they get attention. This is the way they get people to, you know, reach out to them and, and they feel like maybe somebody cares and so they act helpless. A self-sufficient mask, right? I don't need anybody. I'm all set. I'm good here. And we put that on because maybe we're not so self-sufficient, right? That's a scary place to be, isn't it? Sometimes, and by the way, these masks are for other people to see, but sometimes we're even fooling ourselves with them. Okay, I'm fine, I'm fine. Or somebody who's very, very independent because the last thing that they want to be is dependent on somebody else for something. Right, for whatever reason, they grew up, the idea of being dependent is a really bad thing. And so well, I'm very independent, I don't need anybody, I'm fine, doing good. How about tough? You ever know it's really tough? Yeah, you know. And, and they do that in a sense sometimes to kind of maybe push people away, scare people off because they feel at risk. You know, if, if I let someone in my life, if I let someone in my life, what can they do? They can hurt me, can't they? They can reject me. And so we put on this really tough veneer that kind of keeps people at a distance. Then there's the perfectionist who puts on this mask of perfectionism. And we say, well, that's not a, is that a bad mask? Well, it is if what we're covering up is this fact that I so desperately want your approval. I'm going to work so hard to earn it. Right? 
I gotta be the best so that you'll think I'm good and valuable. Uh, the bad mask. Oblivious. You ever know anybody put on a, wearing an oblivious mask? And you know why? Because they don't even want to go to what's really going on in their lives. You know what I mean? The idea of that my life is such a mess, I, I just got to be oblivious to it. And so they put that mask on, maybe. How about obnoxious? Why would someone put on an obnoxious mask? Let me tell you why, because we, we all do have this natural desire not to be rejected, right? We don't want to be rejected. It hurts too badly. And so someone maybe who struggle with that, the idea is they say, okay, I'm going to be obnoxious. And they don't necessarily consciously think this, right? But I'm going to be obnoxious so that you will reject me, but it's because I wanted you to. You see what I'm saying, right? I push you away. I keep you at a safe distance. Whatever, and then the question mark mask. What are those masks? Whatever mask you may be wearing, right? Or have worn in your life. And so these masks are a good thing. They hide things, don't they? They're intended to hide. And, and where do we first see somebody hiding in the scriptures? Adam and Eve. And we looked at, I think, last week. When Adam and Eve sinned against God, Immediately, the first thing is that they went into hiding from each other. They started covering up and hiding. And then they also hid from God. Okay? And sometimes, I mean, it's crazy to do, but sometimes we will wear our masks in front of God, too. What we think we need to say, how we think we need to act with God. But it isn't really where we're at, but we put on a mask and act that way. So, can you imagine the Lord Jesus putting on one of these masks? I mean, really? Or do you think the Lord Jesus was actually who he was all the time? Right? Okay, so we see that this idea of hiding is connected with, all, with the fall of man and sin coming to the world. And then Jesus being completely open, who he was all the time. That is the way God intends for it to be. And so we can see that these masks that we put on are not a good thing. But sometimes the thought of taking them off is terrifying. And we'll talk more about that as we go. Well, does the Word of God have anything to say about this? Well, it does. It doesn't speak specifically to this idea what I'm talking about, the mask that we put on. But it does talk about something that gives us some very clear, I think, ideas and principles that we apply to this in our lives. So let's take our Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Now, the Apostle Paul, because he was not one of the original 12 uh, apostles, was off and on being accused by those who didn't like him or wanted to oppose him for some reason, accused of... Um, not really being an apostle, or that he, he, his, you know, he really has his own agenda. He, he looks good, but he's not really what he's supposed, what he says he is. And so he had to respond to these kinds of things. And here in 2 Corinthians, a, a fair amount of times he talks about things that are related to that. Okay, what his credentials are as to how he is an apostle and does speak for the Lord. And so that's what's happening here in uh, the beginning of chapter 3, he says, look, your own lives, how God has used the gospel I preached to you and the change it's brought into your lives is evidence, you know, that, that I am an apostle of the Lord. 
And then he goes and talks about this, the gospel and how it um, comes across. And then he, particularly he starts talking about <clears throat> the impact of Judaism and how it was affecting the gospel now and people's ability to understand and see the gospel. And he goes back in the Old Testament and he tells a story. And some of you, many of you probably are aware of this story and you, you know the background. Some of you may not. Uh, it comes from the book of Exodus. God's people have been miraculously delivered from Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea. They're in the promised land. God is providing food for them in this desert area, miraculous things, water for them, so many things. And then he has appeared on Mount Sinai and is glorious there in a way that's kind of scary to everybody and they don't know what to make of it. And God is meeting with Moses and he's giving him the law the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments, and then many applications out from the Ten Commandments. And it's just an exciting time. This was an amazing time for the people of God. And the Bible tells us that as Moses spent time in the, this special presence of God, the glory of God, and he couldn't see the full glory of God, but he was still in the presence of God that his face began to shine. He would be with God and then he would come out and talk to the people and they look at him and his face is shining. We don't know exactly what it's like, but it was strange enough that the people got scared. They were kind of scared of Moses and what's going on here. And so the Bible tells us that he began wearing a veil. He covered his face so that the people would not have to see that and be frightened by it. Well, as we can see in our passage today, what's interesting about this <clears throat> is that as he was finishing up with this, he's wearing this veil, but reality, he was shining less and less. The glory was fading. But people couldn't see that because of the veil that he was wearing. All right, so that kind of sets the stage for Paul is talking about this veil and how it has affected people in the gospel. Verse number 12 of chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. We're on page 1,328 in the Bible that's there under the chairs. And he says this. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. Okay, bold. We're out front. We're telling you. He says, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look stead steadily at the end of what was passing away. So this idea of the veil they thought was keeping them from seeing the glory, but what was really keeping them from seeing was that the glory was fading, okay? And so the picture here we're gonna see is that um, when God gave the law of Moses and all the regulations there and all of the religious practices, the symbolism, the, the sacrifices of, that were symbols of what Jesus was going to do and uh, what you know, was happening in heaven, all of those kinds of things, very, very glorious. But the Jewish people concluded that, that's the word I'm going to use, they thought this was the conclusion. They thought this was the climax and the conclusion. But it wasn't. It was merely the introduction. All right? And so if we watch a movie or read a book and, and the introduction, wow, it's designed to what? It grabs us and pulls us in and it sets the stage. But what? 
for what's coming, doesn't it? For the rest of the story and for the conclusion. And what was coming was that God himself, as we sang about in one of our songs today, that the Son of God was going to become human being and, and fulfill all of these symbols. And, and so that we wouldn't have to be separated from God and fearful of him, but we could have a direct and personal relationship with him. So the Old Testament and its glory was fading in the sense of it was only introduction to what God was going to do. But the Jewish people didn't realize that. The picture here is just as though they didn't see Moses' face, you know, losing its shine, going away because of the veil. The same thing when they looked at the Old Testament scriptures. There was like a veil there. We're going to see Paul talks about that. That they couldn't see that this was just introduction. They couldn't see that the glory was actually leading to something else. Okay? Now, hang on. We're getting to Mass. We see the idea of being covered in a veil. All right? Verse 13 again, unlike Moses who put a veil over his face that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away, but their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament. So let's, let's stop right there. So what he's saying is their perspective, they, the veil was still there because they couldn't see that it was only introduction. They couldn't see that that glory was fading away and coming to a much greater glory. The glory of God himself in human form, right? Dying and rising. That's the glory and that he lives in us and he, in me and he lives in you and he lives in us together. And, uh, you know, they can't see that. They didn't see that. And the difference is, in the end of verse 14, he says, because the veil is taken away in Christ... But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. All right. So when, finally, when someone finally comes to understand, wait, who Jesus is, and, and they receive Christ as Savior, all of a sudden, this veil that kept them from understanding before is now gone. And they are able to begin understanding. It doesn't mean they see everything perfectly. But it means all of a sudden, Wow. What I couldn't see and understand before, now I can, because I've come to Christ and his spirit has come into me, and now I can start to understand what's really going on. And so this, what's in the way has been removed. This veil, this covering, okay? Verse 17, now the, the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Great freedom. So when someone comes to Christ, receives him, the Holy Spirit moves in, and he brings freedom, liberty. No longer under bondage to all those things we could never live up to. Uh, no longer our understanding darkened, but being enlightened and being able to see and able to understand great freedom. Now, if you're wearing a mask, are you experiencing freedom? No. No, you're held captive by that mask. Verse 18, but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the spirit of the Lord. And you know, every time I read that I say, what? We're going to talk about it. Chapter 4, therefore since we have this ministry as we receive mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, 
See, remember again, he was accused of, of hiding his real agenda. And he says, no, no, we've renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your bondservants, for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Again, that's a lot of stuff, but I want you to see that it's God who sh has shined his light into us, that his light might shine out through us. Okay? All right, so... The overall theme here <clears throat> is, um, well, actually, before I do that, let me, let, me, let me share three words with you about this veil in the Old Testament and what it did. These three words are unknown, unfulfilled, and ineffective, okay? This veil that talked about the fact that they couldn't see, right, what was going on with the the Old Testament, how it was only introduction, not conclusion, and that the, its glory was fading because this, in comparison to this much greater glory it was coming. And so what does this, this veil do? Well, it keeps the, the, the truth, what? Unknown to them. The veil, right? It's unknown. The real purpose of the Old Testament is unknown. It can't be known because it's covered up. All right? Second, that, that means it, its purpose is unfulfilled. The purpose of the Old Testament is to lead us to Christ in the new, isn't it? Okay, and so that purpose doesn't get fulfilled because of this veil, because of this covering. And therefore, it's ineffective. It doesn't do in the lives of these people what it's intended to do. So it can't be known, it can't fulfill its purposes, and it isn't effective out here. All right. And so this whole passage of Scripture we just read kind of has this theme to it, that in Christ, in Christ, God removes the veil that prevents us from understanding and growing in a relationship with him. All right, so Christ is the one who can help us to undo this. Now, what was the veil that we were talking about here? Well, the veil was the, the understanding of the Old Testament for the Jews, right? The Jewish people, their ability to understand the Old Testament. That's what was being covered up, which they needed to turn to Christ and have removed this veil. Uh, but down in verse number four, he talks about the unsaved Gentiles, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. All right? So it could be the God of the age. And by the way, do you know there's a God of the ages all each time? There's different things. You know, I, I'm not sure what would be the God of our age. It, it, it's interesting. I think the God of our age could be on two extremes. One is the God of our age could be science divorced from God. Okay? That could be a, something that is a God of this age that, that keeps people from really looking and seeing the truth. On the other end, it is this total subjective, emotional, feelings-based approach to everything. Okay, either one of those, but the idea that God is age. But what I want to suggest to you today <clears throat> is that there, the veil for us, especially as Christians, could be the masks we wear. And that could be what for us 
causes us to be unknown. People don't know us because we have our mask on. And because we have this mask on and people don't know us, therefore, our purpose can't be fulfilled. Because God has a purpose for us that, that we fulfill, but instead of fulfilling that purpose, we're hiding behind our mask. And, and that means that we can't affect other people the way God wants us to affect people. Why? Because we're doing what? We're hiding behind our mask. Now, you know, I, I always look at you guys when I'm preaching and try to get a sense of where you're at and what's going on. And I'm just having a sense that you guys are saying, what's he talking about? Do you feel like you're tracking a little bit what we're saying? That our masks get in the way, they prevent us from really being known. Our masks keep us from fulfilling God's purposes in our lives. And our masks keep other people from benefiting from who we are and who God has made us to be. Do you see how that's kind of the same idea, this veil that needs to be taken away so we can, the glory of God can really be seen and understood? So that's where this application comes in. Well, so how do we deal with this? How, how do we take away this mask? Uh, well, God has a way for us to do this. Let's go back here and look in verse 18. It says, but we all with unveiled face, unveiled, we aren't wearing a mask here. We may be wearing a mask in life, but the idea is that we must come to God. Can you come to God and wear a mask? And you can try, but who's getting fooled here? You fooling God? Boy, I acted really holy with God today. Ha, 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 he doesn't know what I'm really like. Right. So he says the idea, if we're gonna get rid of our mask out here in life, we gotta start by coming before God without the mask, okay? Without this idea, I gotta be strong for me, I gotta act holy to God, I gotta, no, no, no. Take the mask off, come to God. And so what does it say? But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Okay, let's stop there. When we look in the book of James, and it talks about a mirror. James is talking about a mirror. He's really using it as a picture of God's word, okay? When you look in a mirror, what do you see? This depends how you're thinking about it, right? I don't know about you, there's times I, my, my dad used to say something. He says, he'd look in the mirror and say, wow, who's that old person? And now sometimes I look in, you know, in the morning and I get up and look in the mirror and go, oh. Oh. All right, so but the idea is we see ourselves, don't we? That's the idea of looking in the mirror. And so Paul here is talking about that we go to the word of God to see ourselves there, to see what we really look like. Because I walk around in life thinking, maybe sometimes thinking about how I look, what my appearance is, but when I look in the mirror, then I really see. I know it's a mirror image, but you know what I mean? I get a, the real view. And so, so it is, we need to go to the word of God to see ourselves accurately, to understand what God says about us, what needs to grow, what needs to change more and more. 
But look at this. We all with unveiled face, we took the mask, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Wait a minute. When I look in a mirror, who do I see? Me. But when I look in the mirror here, I don't just see me. I look in the mirror, and there indeed is my face and my reflection, but Jesus is in the mirror as well. Wow, that's kind of strange, but kind of cool, isn't it? Who am I seeing, Jesus or me? Trick question. Both. Because what we do is when we open the word of God and we open up our hearts to God and our minds to try to understand and the Holy Spirit works and teaches us. And sometimes we read things, I don't, I don't understand that at all, that's fine. Every now and then we read something and go, hey, wow. And what we see, we can see truth about our own selves there, but also truth about the Lord in our lives and what he's doing in our lives, how he's working. Here's what happens. So we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror, not just ourselves, but also the glory of the Lord. When that starts happening and we're spending time with God here, it says, he says we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And so when I look in here, let's say I read and it talks about, it addresses the issue of, of you know, not being selfish, not being self-centered. And I look in that mirror and I can see, yeah, there's some self-centeredness here. But then I also see Jesus in the mirror and he says, you know, and he's working in my life and he's teaching me not to be self-centered. And, and I realize that I'm, I'm growing. I'm not as self-centered as I used to be. But this is, I need to work on this here, but I'm seeing what he's doing. And I'm going, okay. And what happens is it changes me. It changes you. We're spending time with the Lord, fellowshipping his word, looking in the mirror and seeing both ourselves and him and how he's working in our lives. And it changes me to be more like him. Changes you to be more like him. And so here's what we got to do. And it's, it's a wordy statement but I try to capture the, what we're talking about here. We need to look into God's word. You need to look into God's word to see yourself there with the Lord and how he's working in you and develop a relationship with him there that makes you more like him, more like Christ. Because I guarantee you that if you will come before the Lord into his word with this mindset, spend time with the Lord, in his word. Not just read the Bible. That has its place. But what? Spend time with God in his word. It will begin to transform you. And change you to look more like Jesus. Look more like him in your attitudes. Look more like him how you think about things. Look more like you in your actions. Look more like you in your words. You look more like him, I'm trying to say. In your words, look more like him with your facial expressions. Look more like, and I want you to understand something. What do we say about Jesus in masks? Jesus need to wear a mask? Well, guess what? You're becoming more like Jesus. Do you need to wear a mask? 
You see what happens is nobody gets saved with a mask on. <laughs> the only way that any of us come to be saved, to have our sins forgiven, to receive eternal life, is that we, we don't come with a mask, we come with the recognition, here's the truth, God, about who I am. I've sinned against you. We, you know, every one of us have done that. We've sinned against this holy God, and it separated us from him. And so we're spiritually dead, and, if, and we can believe that he exists, and, and even try to do things for him. But the reality is we are spiritually dead. We have no spiritual connection. And so we have to come before God saying, that's the way I am. And I believe that Jesus died for my sins and rose again. I put my faith in Jesus. And at that very moment, when we make that decision, uh, we are, what the Bible says, born again. We become new people inside, deep down inside of who we are. We become brand new people. God himself moves in. We get eternal life. He, he works on us from the inside out, too, as we're reading here, to what? To make us more like Jesus, more like him. And so we have the mask off. That's how we get saved. And we get saved, and then we look at the world around us. May we step foot out into it, and we all sit and say, uh-oh, this, I don't know about this, right? Put those masks back on. But the Lord wants us to take the mask away. Because when you are wearing the mask, you are not known. You're not really known by others. You aren't fulfilling God's intentions for you. And nobody's benefiting from you. Ha, nobody benefit from me. We'll call God a liar then. God says if you will submit to him, he'll use you and people will benefit from you, from knowing you. Because in knowing you, they will get to know him a little more. And so this idea, if we're going to get rid of these masks, if we're going to feel safe to get rid of these masks uh, that we put on to protect ourselves in some way, we've got to get in the scriptures to see ourselves and to see the Lord there with us, Lord there working on us, Lord there changing us to be more like him so that we don't need to put the mask back on. Now, there are going to be some temptations, strong temptations for you to put your mask back on. You go to the Lord and you take the mask off and this is so great. And it isn't very long though before what? You want to put it back on. Why? Okay, well, lots of reasons. Uh, the first one is this, you, we lose heart by failing to focus on what God is like and what he's doing in us. There in verse number one, Paul says, therefore, since we've received this ministry, as we, or, uh, we have this ministry, as we receive mercy, we do not lose heart. If, but if we get out there and all of a sudden somebody is mean to us, somebody doesn't accept us, someone rejects us, something... <sighs> we can lose heart, and when we lose heart, what do we want to do? I'm going to put the mask back on, right? How do we not lose heart? Paul says, well, we're talking about this ministry that God has given us. We're focused on what God is doing. Verse 18, I see God's working in my life. I'm not going to lose heart. Man, faithful is he who called you who also will do it. Paul says, another place he says, I'm confident that what God has started in my life, he's going to finish. Why would I lose heart? Unless I stop looking at God and what he's doing and his truth in my life. And then verse number two, 
He says, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame. Renounce the hidden things of shame. That's the other thing that will make you want to put your mask on. That's things you're ashamed of and don't want others to know. Yeah, I think everybody has something in our life we just assume other people didn't know about. Anybody besides me? Huh. Yeah. And so that fear, the shame, if, if, I let people, if I let people really know me, that's not going to go well. If I let them know the real me. Well, that's a lie. It's a lie from Satan. Okay? As Paul said, we renounce those hidden things of shame. No more. And it's the idea, we renounce the bad stuff that we did, or we didn't wish it was in our life, that's true. But I want you to know it's more than that. It's renouncing the idea that I'm going to let shame be my Lord. I'm only going to let Jesus be my Lord, not my shame anymore. Um, let me look here. Oh, yeah. So way back now, probably getting close to 20 years ago, maybe a little less than that, close to that. One day it hit me because I, I, was, I was pretty much burnt out and spiritually just, I felt devastated emotionally in my soul, where things were at in my life, overwhelmed. And the Lord showed me something from Scripture, and I could tell that whole story, but I won't, but I'll just summarize it like this. That the real me is good enough. The real me. And the real me is I'm not still an unsafe sinner. The real me is I've been redeemed. The real me is that every sin I've ever committed has been forgiven by God. The real me is that he knew all about that stuff when he died for me. The real me is that he's changing me. The real me is he's teaching me. The real me is that, yeah, I blew it. And this way and that way and the other way. That, that is truth. But God is changing me. And that's really part of my story. If I had it all together to start with, I don't need God. But the fact that I didn't have it all together to begin with and still don't means I need God and I have something to say to you, don't I? Because guess what? You need him too. You need him too. All right, so things you're ashamed of. No, 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 the real you, the real you is you walk before God. And by the way, the real you can be an honest you. Yeah, I am having a terrible time. I'm getting beat up in this area of my life. But by God's grace, I'm going forward with him and I'm trusting him he's going to work. But I'm a mess over here. And sometimes that, you may not come across that confident with you. You might just be broken and say, I don't know what to do. I need your help. Oh, we don't particularly want to do that, do we? So what does it look like to live without a mask? What does it look like? We're talking about an on, open, honest, and relaxed approach to life based on truth. Because here's the thing, if I'm hiding things I don't think I want you to know, if I'm hiding the way I really am and what my real struggles are, if I'm hiding all that stuff from you, I always, I'm, I'm busy all the time doing what? Keeping it hidden. I'm always busy keeping it hidden. 
And like I said, this can be very respectable looking. You can be the most put together person in the world, but what you're really trying to hide is that you aren't the most put together person in the world. And it'll wear you out. Jesus says to you, come to me, all you who are worn out. I will give you what? Rest. Relaxed. When you're no longer hiding things, you don't have to worry about anybody finding out. Um, let me ask you, when are you the most nervous when you're driving? When you're going along, taking it nice and easy, a couple miles under the speed limit, paying attention, and you see a police car come the other direction, you wave and smile. But if you're speeding, and all of a sudden you see a policeman, what, you see what I mean? You, you know what I'm talking about, right? There's this thing, this, you're trying to not have known or seen or whatever. Well, that's the way your life is when you're living with a mask. You should put the mask on quick. You know, you don't want to live there. Take it away. Be who God has made you to be. Because here's the thing. Let's look at the scripture I want to show you here. The end of verse number two. He says, but by manifestation of the truth. Manifestation means it appears, it's evidence, it's shown. And what's shown? The truth. The truth about me. The truth about me is that I, you know, I was born sinful and, and I, I was lived as a sinner and, and I did things that I, I would, I'm ashamed of. But you know what? I'm not going to let that control my life. I'm letting Jesus control my life. This is what's truth. This is what's true about me. But by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And the idea is this. You know what? In front of you, I'm going to be who I am. And if that's a problem for you, take it up with God. Because he and I already had a conversation about it. And he's working in my life, and I'm okay. I'm going to be all right. You can be who you really are with others because of your relationship with God. And remember, the real you is good enough. And the real you is not staying bad. The real you is becoming like Jesus. That's the real you. Man, I just think, let that sink in, would you? If you don't remember anything else, remember that the real you is becoming, if you know the Lord is Savior, if you've received him as Savior, the real you is becoming more and more like him. That's nothing to hide. Nothing to hide. And so think about this. Think about the weight that is lifted when you finally decide to take off your mask. Now, it's going to seem strange to you Life's going to seem weird, and you're going to say, I don't know if I like it here to start with. But let me tell you what happened to me yesterday. Glenda and I, we went to BJ's, and it was in the morning, and we're thinking, today is the day that, you know, it's not supposed to be mask regulation anymore. What's going to happen? And so we carried our mask with us because we didn't know what was going to happen. And, and, and we uh, were going in, a lot of people coming in and out with masks, and we thought, oh, maybe I have to wear them. But then we got inside, and I said, here's a worker without a mask, and there's a couple without a mask. And, then, and I tell you, I got this funny, tickling feeling in my stomach, and I was so excited. 
that seems silly, but I didn't have a mask on, and it was so good. Guess what? Once you take the mask off and start to realize it's okay, you can get that tickly feeling. This is good. And so you think about this mask, these masks that we talked about, taking off the mask. Go ahead, Anthony. Those are the masks that we talked about, right? But so let's take off those masks. Here's what it looks like with the mask off. You become dependent, and it's okay. You find it's okay to depend on others to help you. You become responsible. You, you can rely on Christ. You let other people in. You can become tender. You don't got to be tough anymore. Humility. You don't have to put on this outward show. Be realistic about yourself and life. You can become a pleasant person. Take the mask off. Because here's the thing. You know those three words we talked about? Unknown, unfulfilled ineffective, guess what? Now you can be known. Really known. And when you're really known, you can start to fulfill the purpose that God made you for. He made you in a specific way. It includes your whole ugly story that he's turning into beauty. And, and then you become effective in the lives of others because you're not, no longer holding back from you can be the real you that means Jesus in you. Because when you look in the word in the mirror, you see the real you. And it's not just you anymore. It's you and what? Jesus. And you're going to become more like him. And the more like you, you are, the more people are going to see. And that gets us to verse number six. There's the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And so as we change, his glory is, is more revealed. And people start to see not just us, but Jesus in us. And it'll never happen if you keep the mask on. So how to take your mask off and keep them off? We already said the first one. That's to look into God's word, see yourself in the Lord, how he's working in you, develop a relationship with him there, you and him in the word together that transforms you, changes you to be more like him. Okay, you gotta do that. And the second one is this, pursue mask off relationships with other Christians. Now we've gone too far. And so I want you to know when we talk about this, this doesn't mean that you tell everything about yourself all the time. When you meet someone who says, how are you, how are you doing today? And you go, well, let me tell you. Last 30 years of my life, I've done this, this, and this, and that. No, no, no. Discernment is a good thing. And it's a discerning about it. So someone asks you how you're doing. Maybe you're having a really hard day, but you say, you know what? I'm hanging in there with the Lord. But maybe, maybe it's somebody who then says, well, really, how are you doing? Can we get together for coffee? And you have a conversation. You say, here's how I'm really doing. I'm struggling with this, with that. We don't want to do that because it makes us vulnerable, right? But we need it. And as we do it, and if you, I guarantee you, you get two Christians together who, who, who say, is it safe? Is it, is it safe to take off my mask? And the other Christian goes, yeah, me too. And we take off our mask. And 
Just as surely as you see Jesus in the word working in you, when you have that kind of fellowship, you see Jesus working in both of you. And what a special thing that is. So can I encourage you to take the mask off? If you aren't sure what your mask off is, ask God. God, show me my mask. And then get real brave and ask someone who knows you real well. You see me wearing a mask in any way? Zig Ziglar, great salesman, taught many people how to sell things. And he always said when he came to the end of what he had to tell people, he would say, have you sold yourself or do I need to tell you more? So I'm kind of at that point in this sermon. You, do you feel like you understand? You're getting it or do I need to tell you more? Better quick say, yeah, I got it, I got it. So he'll quit. God is faithful. Starts with receiving Christ as Savior and then learning to live without the mask that we so naturally, so easily put on. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is you who we look to who works in our lives to help unveil our eyes and the things we need to see and understand. And thank you, Father, for the application of this truth, Lord, to these masks that we put up in our own lives. I pray you'd help us to see them. I pray that you'd help us to um, remove those masks by your grace, with your power, by trusting you. And as we fail and we put it back on, we take it back off. Lord, just keep working on us to where we can rest in you and be who we really are with each other so that you might be greatly glorified in our lives and through us into the lives of others. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.